We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, on a sleepy uh, middle of June Monday evening. And with me, my co-host, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, I wish we could say that from... Last night till now, there was all manner of different breaking news on the Broncos that we could, you know, sit here and analyze, but there hasn't. However, there have been a few uh, interesting um, bits of analysis and predictions and this and that that we're going to get into tonight. But what were your thoughts on pro football focus, all right, listing the Broncos among their top four candidates to become a worst to first team in 2023? Uh Pro football focus gets so many th- things wrong when it comes to the Broncos, and they have such a negative view when it comes to all things Denver. I feel like the one positive thing we see out of them is a little um, hyperbolic. You know, it's certainly possible. I'm never saying never, but that would probably take an injury to Patrick Mahomes or an absence of Andy Reid for the Broncos to reclaim that throne in the AFC. I'm just being realistic. I'm not being a hater of the Broncos. I think Sean Payton definitely has them on the right track. I think they are a borderline playoff team, if not a wild card team, but to presuppose they're going to dethrone Kansas city in year one of Sean Payton with uh, still in progress, Russell Wilson with the chiefs coming off yet another super bowl, a little bit of a stretch. I will, I shall say. Yeah. It's one of those things where you want to believe, but especially on the heels of seven years of, uh, you know, the depredations Broncos fans have suffered. It's a little bit hard uh, to get too excited about the notion of the Broncos going worst to first. Uh, Can it be done? Absolutely. One of the reasons the NFL is the 800 pound gorilla on the pro sports landscape is because parity P A R I T Y reigns supreme each and every year, Zach, we get those teams that, you know, miss the playoffs for a couple of years and then out of the blue, they're suddenly in the wild card or they won their division. It happens across the league just because they do a great job of trying to keep the, the playing field level, unlike a lot of other pro sports, uh, you know, iterations, let's just say. But for the Broncos, there's a lot there. Uh, and to their credit, pro football focus, I think his name is Gordon McGinnis is the guy that actually wrote this one up, uh, really focuses on this. The bottom line is if, if Sean Payton, can get Russell Wilson looking like vintage Russ, then all things become possible, including vanquishing the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, that's a big if. I, I'm optimistic that a, that a version of that vintage Russ will be seen this year. It's just a question of to what degree. If it really is a full restoration, Zach, a vintage Russ in a Sean Payton scheme, Sean Payton coach team, man, I think the possibilities and the limits of that are uh, are, are endless, but there's a lot of ifs and buts and candy and nuts and you know, Merry Christmases and all that in between. You know, to your point about going worst to first and how it happened so quickly, it's definitely true. I think Detroit is one of those teams that's ready to turn the corner. They were a, a borderline playoff team, and that division's you know wide open for the taking. The Broncos don't have that luxury, unfortunately. It's not wide open. They have the best quarterback in the NFL. They play twice a year. So it's going to take a little bit. Trust the process. 
And after seven years or eight years, whatever it is now, of not beating Kansas City, I will settle for a victory over Casey and then work our way up from there to uh, the top of the division. Amen. Let's grab a couple supers, see what your guys' thoughts are on this. Thank you, Sam, for jumping in early with a super chat, really helping us get things cooking off the bat. And we super appreciate you, my friend. He says, hey, guys, to go from worst to first with the defending champs in our division and with Mahomes well in his prime is a little silly, I think. But I'm still saying 11-6 and six with a playoff win. Go Broncos. Well, what if, Sam, the Chiefs go – uh, 10 and seven, then Broncos at 11, six, they're winning the division. So that's one of the things that you, we got to factor in here, Zach is, you know, the Broncos can only control the things that they can control. All right. right. But you don't know exactly how dominoes around them might fall. Now, as you kind of talked about earlier, I fully expect the chiefs to be every bit, the juggernaut that they've been this year. Uh, and they might especially be riding, high with the confidence of having won their second Super Bowl in three years or whatever it was. But you never know. Things, stranger things, I'll just say, have happened in the NFL. And so, you know, if the Broncos split with the Chiefs, but the Chiefs don't do as well in the division or, you know, they lose one or two tough games uh, on their schedule in the type of games that the Broncos won, then even though the Chiefs might still be a superior team, you could see the Broncos then win in the division. Now, again, we get back into the ifs, buts, candy, and nuts thing, but still. Sam and I are sharing a brain here. As I was saying, if they didn't have Patrick Mahomes in the division, if it was anyone but Kansas City, I can definitely see Sean Payton turning the team around that quickly and that um, exponentially. But 11-6 and on a playoff win, again, after what we've been through, walking the football desert, no water, just all peril for the last seven years. I would gladly, Sam, sign up for eleven and six and a playoff win. Oh Go yeah, Broncos, indeed. Without question, without question. Troy, what's going on? The fawn donkey in the house, as he uh, is known on Twitter. Great to see you, big dog. Thank you for the super. Says, hey guys, have a great show. I will listen later. Well, uh, we'll catch you on the flip flop. Thank you for supporting, my friend. Uh, Mike Ronquillo jumping in as he always does with a good evening and uh, go Broncos, go and a uh, Buckham. Appreciate you, Mike. Great to see you tonight. Looking forward to the conversation. Ooh. Whoa, we've F. got a living legend in our midst, Zach. F.A. in the house dropping a very, very generous super chat Thank that you, comes F. in handy this time of year. We're trying to do what we can to keep the lights on. And F.A., you're helping us uh, do that greatly. So thank you, big dog. Seriously, he says, hello, guys. Happy Monday. I am going to believe. Let's not let the last few years deter us 20-0 and 0 <laughs> until we ain't. We have been really close to beating the Chiefs the last few years. Just need a break here or there. We almost beat them twice last year. F.A., love you, big dog. What are your thoughts, Zach? I agree. The Broncos aren't as bad as a lot of uh, observers want to make them out to be, but it's not a game of almost. They haven't beat Kansas City in, again, seven or eight years and almost isn't quite beating them. So they have to get to that point. I would settle realistically for a uh, split in that series, but it would go a long way toward reestablishing the Broncos as a dominant power in the AFC. That it would, that it would. Um, honestly, I don't necessarily need the Broncos to win the division for, for me to feel good about which direction this thing is headed. I mean, even splitting with the chiefs and, you know, narrowly qualifying for a wild card to me would be like, seriously, with how bad the last seven years have been like, when we talk about that feeling of triumph, that feeling of just joy with a little bit of relief in there, like when the Broncos hoisted the Lombardi in Super Bowl 50, like it would be near that for me, just at, just because of how bad things have been to see the Broncos not only make the playoffs, but vanquish the Chiefs at least once along the way. Like to me, that would be just sweet, sweet, sweet Broncos football. And it's so far from the Pat Bowlen standard, hoping the Broncos can go one and one against their division rival. But that's where we are now. That's where the Broncos have been. They've been in the basement and you have to climb up one stair at a time to get out of the basement. And the Broncos can start doing that by taking down Mahomes and company, which is certainly possible. In fact, Chad, I expect Denver to split this year with Kansas City. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting because you think back to uh, Dick Vermeil's comment earlier this offseason when he said a couple of noteworthy things in a singular a singular quote. Uh, one of which was the two best minds of the modern offensive minds of the modern NFL era, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and they're going to be dueling it out twice a year at least this year. We'll see what how long Reid uh, continues to, you know, keep coaching. But then you get into the the quarterback comparison thing and. What we know of Russell Wilson right now, based on what we saw from him, the most recent product on the field, it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league in comparison to the guy that was the ultimate triumph last year, you know, winning Super Bowls, doing his thing. Patrick Mahomes, you go, well, that's where we find, Zach, the point of demarcation. That's where these two offensive minds or one guy ends up having a bit of an advantage. And that might be true, but if you think to yourself, all right, what if you had a, let's just say, 2015, 14 through 17 version of Russell Wilson right now. And you could mind erase everything that happened last year. How would you feel? Would it still be a big gap between the QB coach combo of the chiefs? What do you think? I mean, I would settle gladly for 2020 Russell Wilson. I I was looking into his stats earlier for an article. He threw for 4,200 yards and 40 touchdowns that year. He completed over 68% of his passes. That's up from 60% that he completed last year. Uh, not coincidentally as well, that was the last season he was fully healthy in the NFL as a starter. So if the Broncos keep him upright, they keep him off the ground, they keep the bodies off him, there's no question that Russell Wilson will be better. And if they can compete with Casey, with the likes of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridge, all the other quarterbacks they've had in recent years, I can expect them to go toe-to-toe with Andy Reid. And look at last year, Russell Wilson actually had one of his better games against the Chiefs. Didn't he run for two or three touchdowns in Week 17? Yeah, that what that second matchup was one of the two games where you're going, okay, this is the guy we kind of thought we were getting, yeah. right? When the Broncos made that trade. But dude, think about this. 40 touchdown passes. 40 touchdown passes. Outside Zach of Peyton Manning's MVP season in 2013, as a Bronco, he never got to 40 except for that season. He got 55. We all know. We all know. But like those are huge numbers, dude. That's a massive huge number of scores and can you imagine what what kind of an effect that would have on this team in the standings Keith what's going on big dog he says uh at what point do we concern ourselves with the fact that we have a 34 year old quarterback and counting Zach and I like to say it like this basically Russell Wilson entering his age 35 season because I think Zach honestly you can say things like soon to be 35 and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but I think it it is the best way to encapsulate the fact that he's going to be 35 very, very soon uh, in the most pithy way, his age 35 season. But what's your answer for Keith? It's just crazy, man. I'm like a year away from 35, and in the NFL, it's regarded as like geriatric, like an old man. It's funny how the NFL works. But the good thing about being a quarterback is that's a position, for the most part, of longevity. A lot of quarterbacks play into their late 30s, early 40s. Not going to mention Tom Brady, but he's 45. He was playing last year. So I think if... Better coaching, which the Broncos have, better play calling, and no injuries. That's a big, big one for us and the rest of the uh, supporting cast. He can get another two or three quality seasons. I don't know about 20, 20, 40 touchdowns, but definitely more than the, I think it was 18 that he threw last year. I'm not worried about his age right now. I'm really not. I mean, I know everyone is afraid of that cliff, Zach. After what we saw last year, it's hard to not correlate those two things because like we say on the show quite often we're not big believers in coincidence all right in coincidence russ 34 years old in his age 34 season just happens to produce the worst season of his career 
there there is some sort of connection there all right to what degree we don't know but zach when you think back to how ben, big ben was able to keep playing for so long at a relatively high degree not obviously always the vintage big ben that everyone uh came to know uh but look at how long peyton manning played look at tom brady uh look at where aaron Rodgers is at so i think Russell Wilson, the good thing for him is he's now in a situation where, you know, he's with a team that obviously believed in him, invested in him. Uh, they're standing behind him and they gave him a coach that if things turn out the way everyone's hoping in Denver, they can continue to kind of grow old together. And I mean, how, how old was Drew Brees, dude? I mean, think about it. How old was Drew when he hung up his cleats? So there is some empirical evidence to suggest not to worry too much about age. Now, one big difference between all those quarterbacks I just mentioned and Russ, Zach, is vintage Russ relied much more significantly on, as far as the, the, how effective his game was, relied much more on his legs. And look, arm talent tends to kind of um, be connected to a, a quarterback's overall and, you know, football acumen, <clears throat> kind of like Peyton Manning, for example, like, if they have the arm to get to the league, then that arm as they age is, is probably going to be about as good as their, their football brain is. But when it's so much is centered on the legs for a quarterback, Zach, and you start getting older, that's really the first thing that goes is that twitch, that escapability, yeah. that mobility. So if there is any uh, holes I would poke in my previous argument, it would be that. I'm looking at quarterbacks uh, ages by starter in the NFL. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl, I think, at 32 or 33. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Aaron Rodgers is 38. Um, a, a couple others here are in their in their uh, young to mid young. I mean, early to uh, mid 30s as well. It's not overly old if the Broncos can scheme Russell Wilson better it's all about maximizing his skill set and that didn't matter Chad if he was 34 or 24 good coaches find a way to put their players in the proper position to succeed that's what they did so well for him in Seattle setting up the run and uh, taking shots down the field letting him play that backyard football Sean Payton will put Russell Wilson in a position to succeed and not coincidentally when you win and you are successful the injuries go down Amen. Gary Palmer, the GLP, the swashbuckler himself, jumping in with the super. Love it. Thank you, big dog. Appreciate you so much, Gary. Looking forward to seeing you in the fall. He says, hey, guys, I am the eternal optimist, so this worst-to-first thing just feeds me. But I have said before that 10 wins is my floor. Go Broncos and buck them. I hope that's how it shakes out, brother. I, I mean, Sean Payton wasn't a double-digit win head coach every single year. Zach, that he was uh, that he was in New Orleans, but the, the Saints were always a, a force to be reckoned with. And on this topic, I don't want to go any any further, Zach, uh, without doing this because I will get caught up in our conversation and I'll forget. Gary, appreciate you, big dog. Here's an update on where things stand on the uh, raffle for the month of June on YouTube. So as you guys know, we take the top ten finishers on uh, Super Chat in the given month. Their names go in a hat raffle selected we do, we're doing it live now so everyone can see and uh, the winner gets to choose a, a broncos jersey that whatever one they want we get it sent out to them as a small thank you for everything you guys do to support us here is the uh, current rankings not counting tonight of course all right number one the duchess michaela parker all right number two gary palmer and look at this zach some movement uh, is afoot five five different leapfroggers here so at number three we got troy Nice to see James Richard at four, the lady D Deanna Hendry at five. Also looking forward to seeing her uh, and as many of you as we possibly can for that matter uh, at the MHH meet and greet. And then at six FA who we're getting to see tonight. Love that uh, Rob Bucksbaum at seven. So those are the, the, the movers and the shakers rising up the charts. And then Naj at eight, David McElrath, the Papa bear himself, who I see in the chat tonight uh, at nine, and Ethan, a.k.a. DWI guys, at 10. And then just a few of the names just outside, as you can see, like Sam Bam, Divine Breaks, Gyla, Dave from Georgia, Mr. Roosh, etc. So there's your updated rankings for this month, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, seriously, thank you so much. Phil, speaking of appreciation, much love and respect do we have for this cat down in Tucson. Appreciate you, dog. He says, evening, Chad, Zach, and Deacon Scott. My optimism for the playoffs is Russ there would be no limit 
to what this team, uh, this new team can accomplish if he is cooking. Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life. Agreed. Exactly. That's why that's priority number one is we can like get out into the weeds, Zach, and talk about, you know, the impact of a Vance Joseph hire on the defense, the strengths and weaknesses of this unit or that. But the bottom line is if you don't fix Russ, as we've seen the last seven years, it's all for naught. You know, the, the Broncos are not one middle of the road quarterback away from being a force to be reckoned with. They need that quarterback to be a top 10 force in the league. Absolutely. And I want to make an addendum to a previous comment and it kind of uh, steel mans what I said. Matthew Stafford had just turned 34 when he won his Super Bowl. So not out of the realm of possibility that it can be done and quarterbacks again have longevity. The thing about coaching and good quarterback play, though, Sean McVay got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Didn't happen for him. Got to a Super Bowl, Super Bowl with Matt Stafford. He won it. What was Stafford before Los Angeles? A good, but not necessarily a great quarterback. Good coaching made him a great quarterback. And if he can go back to 2020, talking about Russell Wilson now, you mentioned how crazy would it be if he throws 40 touchdowns? If he does that, they will win at least six games. And at that point, then you start talking about competing for the division because statistically, he'd be going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. And good coaching is the impetus. It's the accelerator to make that happen. Well said. Eric Weber. Great to see you, bud. Yeah, it has been a minute. Really appreciate you joining us tonight, my friend. He says, evening priest in Broncos country. Been a minute. Missed y'all. Excited to see what uh, Peyton does with this squad. Optimistic we can at least split with the Chiefs along with all division rivals and get at least one playoff win. We'll be in the house to watch us beat the faders (laughs) in the opener. MHH, Denver Broncos for life. Awesome, dude. That's going to be, I'm sure, a pretty rocking atmosphere because even though you know, the the better part, meaning the, the majority of Broncos country right now is kind of asleep uh, on the team. You know, they're just kind of doing their offseason thing. By the time, Zach, you get to that season opener against the Raiders, you're going to have all of the training camp. People are getting excited. You're going to see starters playing in the preseason. Man, the the anticipation for the season opener is going to be dope. Yeah, it's personal, at least for me as well. I mean, the Seahawks trolls on Twitter, they can talk because they won week one last year, but when a Raiders fan starts chirping at me, I have the same response. I'm like, bro, you haven't won a playoff game since Twitter was invented. I mean, what are you talking (laughs) about? Why are you opening your mouth? Just because the Broncos are on a bit of a losing streak doesn't change the fact that come week one, that streak is going to end. I cannot wait to beat the faders this season. F.A. with a second very, very generous super chat. Thank Thank you so much, much, bro. Seriously, really love you. Appreciate you. He says, from the Denver media, it seemed Nathaniel Hackett just let Wilson run the show and did whatever he wanted. Sean Payton will never allow that. Players are saying even OTAs this year, far different than the last few years. I'm very optimistic about this team. Yes, indeed. I mean, just about everything is different. Uh, wow, a third one. Wow. He's going on from the top rope. Man, thank you, bud. Thank he you. says, John Elway won a Super Bowl at age 37 and 38. Go. That's right. He was the oldest uh, quarterback to win a Super Bowl until Manning did it in 2015. Brady won a Super Bowl in his 40s. Manning won a Super Bowl with a broken neck and one arm and half a foot, too. You know, yeah, that foot. Uh, get a good team around Wilson and we'll be okay. Of course, he has to do his part, though. Yeah, I, I get the spirit of what you're saying. I, th- I really do think, though, um, the team around Wilson is good enough. I, it really starts with Wilson. Like, I mean, I hate to bring dredge up the old stuff again, but, like, think about even 2016. Everyone's like re- the whole Super Bowl squad returning with the exception of Peyton Manning and a couple, you know, less important veterans. It's like, hey, we've, we're just – look what we did. We won a Super Bowl. Yeah, Peyton Manning was our quarterback, Zach, but we won a Super Bowl with basically like Peyton Manning on his last legs. John Elway convinced himself that if he threw a ton of money at defense, uh, you know, made sure that he had the right coordinators there and the right personnel there, that the Broncos were just one middle-of-the-road quarterback away from winning it all. They thought maybe Trevor Simeon could be that guy. At least Gary Kubiak believed that in 2016. The Paxton Lynch thing, swing and a miss. So what they do? They go out and they throw more money at a, another middle-of-the-road quarterback that could get them to that Super Bowl in Case Keenum. Swing and a miss. They were mistaken. Same thing plays out with Joe Flacco. 
And so I only go on to say this is that think about how great some of those teams were in terms of personnel, some of the talent on the def those defenses I just mentioned, some of the talents at the skill position. I mean, you're talking about the squandering, Zach, of the late Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders era, all right, because of middle-of-the-road quarterback play. So I agree with you that you got to have a good team around a quarterback to succeed. You got to have great coaching. But, baby, I'm, I'm begging of the football gods. Peyton turns Russ around, and it's literally – that is the catalyst. That's the game changer. You start rattling off those names, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. <laughs> I can't believe what we've been through over the last seven years, man. It's been quite the journey. And to uh, F.A.'s other comment as well, thank you so much, F.A. It's, it's, your generosity is incredible. OTAs are different, and it feels different. I'll use this analogy again. We've all had the boss that we've worked for that was a complete pushover. You know, you no call, no show, he'll let it slide. You don't work as hard, he won't get on you. He wants to be everyone's friend instead of being everyone's boss. The yep. problem with that is while you might like him on the outside, you don't respect him on the inside. He's oh. a doormat. You don't respect those kind of people. People will take your kindness for weakness. The thing is with Sean Payton, he is no one's friend. He is their boss. And from day one, he came in there and said, this is how it's going to be. It's my way or the highway. This is my law, and you're going to follow it. So that's why... That's why it feels different because that's what they needed. They needed a tighter ship. They needed someone to kick them in the behind and say, hey, guys, let's get it going. No more of this goofy, hugging, smiling clown show. No field days, no hat days. We're here to work and we're here to get better because we have nothing to celebrate until that box score changes. I wonder what Sean Payton made of Nathaniel Hackett's uh, pitch to the Broncos. Hire me as head coach, and I'll hire someone to teach me how to do my job. <laughs> the I legendary John Vieira. Oh man, dude! I bet the endless jokes on that. Uh, you know, if you could be a fly on the wall at Centura Health Training Center, man, you'd be laughing. Sam Bam, number two tonight. Love you, big Thank dog. You, Appreciate you. He says, hate to say it, but I hope the Raiders win at least five or six games and don't win the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. We really don't need both Mahomes and Williams in our division for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. What was it? Four and 12. So that's the worst finish the Broncos have ever had, uh, at least in the Super Bowl era. It was four and 12 under Josh McDaniels in 2010, Zach. And that was enough to get them uh, in position to land Von Miller, franchise altering guy at number two overall. So there is a precedent. I, what I'm getting at here for a Josh McDaniels coach team to be a bottom one or two club. So we're right there with you, dude. Let's hope uh, it doesn't come to that. Definitely don't want to see Caleb Williams uh, anywhere in the AFC West, not in an orange and blue uniform. And it kind of seems like the Raiders are unintentionally tanking, like wink, wink. We're going to lose a lot of games next year to get the top quarterback and kind of rebuild. But as of now, they have enough talent on that offense, even without Derek Carr and insert, whoever's quarterbacking them this year to win at least five or six games. But you know what? I'm not concerned about Caleb Williams. I'm not concerned about anyone but the Broncos. They have Sean Payton. They have hopefully an improved Russell Wilson, and I'll take that combo over just about anyone. Well said. Um, just about. Hey, look. Appreciate the Hackwinnick. I always screw up your name. The Hatchwinnick. Let's support the priest. Smash the like button. Thank you. Thank you for uh, – urging people to do that we got i don't know we got about 140 something on youtube hit the like button for us guys small thing you can do come on now uh and on facebook you got about half of that right now watching just because again right now zach we're about a quarter of the number of people that would normally be in a live stream just because we're in the first couple of days of that six week summer and, and fans are kind of shut off to it not you guys because you guys are like us you know, you guys are our tribe. You're, you you want to talk about it, be about it, think about it, debate it, break it all down, 365 like us. But Clayton, what's up, dude? Great supporter on Facebook. Clayton says, I tell you what, guys, Russ is putting in all the work and the little things as well. He's going to be fire. Hard work always pays off. Hey, he's never going to be outworked, that's for sure. I don't take that away from him, but – um. Sometimes it's not enough, and I only say that as a cautionary tale because Russ worked his freaking butt off last year, worked hard. Why didn't it work? Why didn't it pan out for the Broncos? We know why. So some of those other factors need to be fixed, and the Broncos, I think, Zach, 
you know, the two big areas that they could control, which was coaching incompetence and organizational mismanagement. Those two things got fixed. So that gives me a lot of reason to believe, Clayton, going back to what you said, that indeed Russ's hard work this year is going to pay off. He definitely worked his tail off last year, but I think he had a few more Twinkies than was necessary because he was a little pudgy. I'm, I'm not afraid yeah. to say it. I think he would admit it as well. I think the Broncos would admit it uh, too, that he wasn't at his correct playing weight, but he shed a lot of that weight. He says he's leaner than meaner and he's totally dedicated to being a better quarterback. And we're going to see a much, much improved Russ in 2023. I just want to grab this real quick because Ron is bringing up a topic that Zach, I know you've had your eye on here. Uh, he yeah. says, does Ronald, hi guys, a rumor regarding Josh Jacobs. Uh, but cash issues for us. Can we trade a wide receiver for him and make it cap comfortable? Thank you. So let's grab this real quick. But before you answer it, just set the stage for for uh, Ron and all our listeners. Yeah, basically, Ron, I don't know if you saw uh, the article in question. I'll actually be writing about that after the podcast for the website, but it was CBS Sports who painted the Broncos as a potential destination for Josh Jacobs on a multi-year deal. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was like three years, 39 million, something like that, or 33 million. The thing is with him, they applied the franchise tag. The Raiders have to Jacobs who hasn't signed the tag yet so that they can either strike a trade. And those things rarely happen within the division. So I think that's a non-starter. They could also rescind the franchise tag, make Jacobs a free agent after which he would sign with Denver on a normal deal. I'm not trading a receiver for a running back. I don't even think the Broncos would pick up Jacobs as a free agent, even though Sean Payton, it was either right after he got hired, I believe it was on a, um, a pregame show uh, during the playoffs, he gushed about Jacobs, who was in his presence. And he kind of left the possibility open of Jacobs coming to Denver, but that was before they signed Samaj P. Ryan. That was before Javante made the strides in his recovery. They don't need Josh Jacobs. But I'd love to have him, though, Chad, if only because he kills the Broncos every single time they play him. Uh, I mean, that alone would be uh, would fl help float the Broncos' boat, just not having to go against him twice a year. Uh, Michaela Israel jumping in with a very generous super sticker. Thank, Thank you. you. The uh, pair fist bump rocking it. Love it. Great to see you. She's rocking uh, her uh, Russell Wilson jersey that she won last month. So great to see you. Thank you, as always, my friend. Thank you, Michaela. Um, all right, there's one up here I want to grab in just a second after we grab Mike. Um, which Broncos defensive players will have the most sacks this year? That's a good question. Who leads this team in sacks? That Fully healthy Randy Gregory. He's their best pass rusher. I mean, he was a game changer when he was on the field. That's why the Broncos signed him. He plays all 17 games. He'll hit double-digit sacks for sure. No question about it. Um. I am inclined to agree with you on that, uh, but I want to see real quick. quick I want to uh, see something on Frank Clark because I'm pretty sure as good as he's been at times in his career, the top of the mountain, he's – yeah, so his career high is 13 sacks. So Frank Clark, Zach, believe it or not, as a three-time Pro Bowler, all of which came in a row from year one in KC, year two, year three. Last year is the only year he was in KC. He did not make the Pro Bowl. But his career high in sacks is 13, which came his final season in Seattle. And the only other time, Zach, he's been above double-digit sacks was 2016, his second year in the league with Seattle. Now, I only go through that to kind of help paint the picture that Frank Clark, he's a guy that stays healthy. He's good for somewhere between five to eight sacks. That's kind of his sweet spot. So Randy Gregory, let's look at that real quick, Zach. Off the top of your head is someone who covered the Cowboys a long time. Do you know what do you remember what Randy's career high is? Um, I think it was like eight. I don't think it was double digits because he never played a full season. He was always yeah. suspended or injured. All right. So his career high twice met uh is six sacks, and that is in a season where he only started one game and and is on record as being available for 14. And then the second six sack season was an 11. That was his uh, last year in Dallas. All right. So um, I don't know. It's a toss up. I'll throw Zach Allen in there. So if you've gone to my head and again, health not being an issue here, Randy Gregory, because I think he's only scratched the surface, but if uh, the injury bug and, you know, best predictor of future behaviors, past behavior, uh, 
uh, I hate to say it, but it's the truth. In that case, it's probably going to either be Zach Frank Clark or Zach Allen that actually ends up stacking enough games and having enough exposure and reps and bites at the apple to lead the team in sacks. I believe Michael said players, plural, so that's a good shout with Frank Clark as well. It'll be one or the other. I would have said Baron Browning because I feel like his ceiling is a little higher uh, than both of those guys because he's so explosive off the edge. But now that Browning had knee surgery and he's going to start the year on PUP, I don't see him meeting that goal. I mean, he had five sacks last year. Baron Browning. Course, when he's healthy. You know? So it's a bummer, man. He's starting out on PUP. But uh, All right, let me grab this one real quick from uh, – an interesting topic here from Jody. Great to see you tonight, Jody. Again, um, says, evening, gentlemen. What do you expect from Chris Allen? All right, so we're talking about sacks. Uh, this is what I get for navigating off to go look up pro football reference here, but uh, the screen lag. But, Zach, Christopher Allen, for those of you who might be scratching your head, I doubt many of you who are listening don't know who this guy is, but he's the undrafted rookie out of Alabama from last year. Everyone was kind of – uh, high on even though he's obviously a sleeper as a college free agent that ended up being shut down because his lingering foot injury that was still bothering him from his last year at Alabama and so he's back on the attack so to speak Zach so what's your uh, answer for Jody I really like Chris Allen and I feel like they got a very draftable player as a UDFA uh, the thing is he has to work his way back to football shape and football conditioning he missed the entire year last year I believe on NFI or IR um the other issue with him is where does he get playing time from, either on defense or special teams? You have so many linebackers in front of him. Even with Browning on PUP, you have Nick Benito, you have Jonathan Cooper, you have players that have been there and been more active as of lately uh, than Christopher Allen. So practice squad, I think in a worst-case scenario, would uh, be a, a situation that Allen can find himself in. But if he makes the 53, special teams guy and an edge rusher on third downs who can get a handful of sacks, that's his, uh, that's his talent. Don't sleep either on the possibility of uh, the rookie Drew Sanders throwing his hat in the ring because I think with how much we know Vance Joseph likes to you know, throw different pressure packages at opponents and really kind of lean on his cover guys to hold up long enough to get home, I think he's that was, one, that was maybe not the impetus for the Broncos targeting Drew Sanders, but it was one of the kind of uh, influential factors. Because you can rush him from a lot of different spots, Zach, in that front seven that opponents might not necessarily see coming. Not just as stand-up edge guy, but like, oh, he's lined up off the ball, kind of sneaks up, boom, and he just has that knack for for uh, getting by blockers and getting to the quarterback. So I just don't know how much, uh, going back to bites at the apple, I don't know how much, how many snaps he's really going to see as a rookie. Just because Broncos have a lot of money tied up in the two guys uh, ahead of him on the depth chart in Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell. Man, if Sanders leads the Broncos in sacks, they should just cut Nick Benito on the spot. You know, Benito was a higher drafted player, did all of nothing last year, and Sanders, who's going to start out at inside linebacker, if he can lead, I don't think it's going to happen, but he could certainly provide some pressure, and I think VJ will use him there. It's step-up time, though, for Benito, man. Like He was basically the Broncos' first-round pick last year, him being a second-round pick. And um, again, he did much of nothing. So I'd like to see some improvement from him out of VJ or in VJ system. Mike, bro, huge big boy stars throwing it down. Really appreciate that, my friend. Seriously, guys like you, supporters like you, or why even in these down times when there's not much by way of like current events to break down, we show up uh, seven nights a week. So thank you, Mike. Love you, big dog. As always, Michael, thank you so much. Um. With that, we are 36 minutes in, so we're kind of getting close to it. Patrick, I was going to grab this one too, Scott. I'm glad you brought this up. Patrick, uh, he says, aloha, young priests and the deacon. Great to see you, my friend. Another great supporter in the chats all the time. Big earn, Broncos country only. Right back at you, big dog. Uh, PPF? Scott's processing, like this. processing, processing. I'm not sure. Zach's usually quite apt at yes. um, syntax decoding, but this isn't so much syntax, but rather acronym within the uh, context. I'm not sure, Ern. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to fill us in on that, big dog. Um, okay, let me uh, go back. So yeah, any burning topics, guys, get them in the chat. We'll probably wind it down here very very shortly. 
Uh, we like to go an hour, as you guys know, but uh, when the topics or the conversation isn't like, if we end up repeating a lot of the same topics and stuff like that in an off-season situation, then you know that's kind of our cue to start winding it down. Not to say that we've done that tonight. I'm, that's not what I'm saying, but just FYI. Um, Mike says Alex Singleton's going to lead the Broncos in tackles again. I don't see any way that doesn't happen unless uh, he gets nipped by the injury bug. But he's he's had Zach, Alex Singleton, some pretty good fortune by way of uh, avoiding that yeah. nasty bug. Yeah, he's pretty durable. And if he plays a full 17-game schedule, you can pretty much guarantee he'll lead your team in tackles. The guy is a machine. So, dude, this is crazy. This cat only started 12 games last year, right, for the Broncos? 163 tackles, this wild animal that is Alex Singleton. A very smiley wild animal at that, for what it's worth. Uh, his last year in Philly, because we, you know, one thing we knew about Alex Singleton, when the Broncos landed him, you know, what did you, you heard about his special teams acumen and the fact that he led the Eagles in tackles the year prior and had 200 tackle seasons in a row before the Broncos signed him. Zach, this dude totaled 137 tackles in 21 with the Eagles with just eight starts, dude. Jesus. All right. Uh, the year prior in 11 starts, 120. All right. So, so I just don't see even Josie Jewell, man. Like, if they suddenly made, you know, juicing legal in the NFL, I don't see anybody out chasing the ball uh, over Alex Singleton. So he is definitely an animal to be reckoned with. I'm going to say, if you look up the expression see ball, get ball in the football dictionary, you'll see a picture of Alex Singleton. The guy is a heat-seeking missile, and I've grown to really appreciate his game. I wasn't crazy about the pickup. I wasn't crazy about him starting at first because his pass coverage is a little eh, but his run support, his run defense, and his leadership are all incredible. I'm happy to have him. Um, okay, I'm just doing a little circle in here, circling back to the chat. Uh. Let's grab this one from Harold. Harold's with us often. Harold deserves a uh, shout-out here. Which one of last year's draft picks, so the 2022 class, Zach, is going to improve the most this season? Now, hold on while you do that. I'm going to pull it up just so we have it fair and square uh, listing these names real quick, all right? I know you probably already know them off the top of your head, but I'm going to throw them for people listening. You got Nick Benito. You got Greg Dulcich, Damari Mathis, uh Iomo Owazarike, Delarin Turner-Yell, Montrell Washington, Luke Wattenberg, and uh, Matt Henningsen, and Fayon Hicks. So that's your 10-man class from last year, Zach. I thought Hicks was cut because he got arrested. Mm. That's right. That's right. Good call. Um, Owazarike was my choice. I mean, Dulcich is already on the verge of breaking out. Um, Damari Mathis is a starter. I th feel like most Broncos fans – um, were pleased with him last year, but Awuzurike didn't see much playing time, and he wasn't. You know, he was hit or miss when he was on the field. But he's going to make a big leap having that extra year under his belt in a strength and conditioning program, being in the NFL, and the playing time right now for defensive line is wide freaking open to the point that we're talking about PJ Mustafer, a UDFA rookie UDFA as a potential 53 surprise player, or maybe even a starter. That's how wide open it is. So I'm a big, big Awuzurike fan this year. I think he's going to show leap and bounds improvement. Who will improve the most? Honestly, I am going to say Greg Dulcich, because even though he showed some flashes, I think with that full year under his belt and now playing in a competent offense with a just wonderfully gifted play caller and a, a play caller at that, Zach, who has traditionally extracted – High high production out of the tight end position. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Greg Dulcich for the sake of our conversation. I think he's gonna prove to be what the Broncos haven't had in quite a while. Maybe since Virgil Green. There's a name, right? A consistent, reliable tight end one. And you make a good point about a Sean Payton offense. A lot of it th flows through the tight end. He's gonna have a lot of work coming his way this season. Um. Okay. Let's see here. All right. Probably last one, guys, and then we're gonna dip out for tonight from Pearl. What starters, similar similar kind of topic, casting our minds back a little bit, what starters from last year could be on the bubble? And let's remove the easy one here, which is Kareem Jackson. Even though he was re-signed, so it's technically it's hard to say that because he wasn't exactly an incumbent that just contract carries over into this year. The Broncos did go to lengths to bring him back, even though it was seriously like they gave 
some college free agents more guaranteed money than they did Kareem to come back. But what's your answer? Who might who might be uh, on the bubble? Thought you were going to say the easy choice was Russ being on the bubble. <laughs> That's the low hanging fruit that I'm not going to take. Uh, Cushionberry was the one that came to my mind right away. I, I mean, he arguably shouldn't be the starter today, but I think he could go into the season as the starter. And on the offensive line, Garrett Bowles. You know, which Ooh. version of Bowles are we going to see in 2023 under a new offensive staff, under a new line coach? If he can go back to being that 2020 Garrett Bowles, fine. But if he kind of reverts back to what he showed last year and before the 2020 season, I think he will be released or traded the following offseason. I mean, honestly, outside of Kareem Jackson, really, I think if we're keeping it plausible, because I hear you, Bowles, Bowles is kind of in a uh, – he's in a prove-it type of situation, but I think he'll get the year to prove it one way or the other just because of the consequences contract-wise if they were to cut him. I think from a plausibility perspective, I mean, you can look at the offense. Cortland Sutton, unless he's traded, he's not getting cut. Uh, Jerry Judy, same thing. Uh, I mean, trying to think offensive line, but I mean – Quinn Miners wasn't even a starter to open last year. On defense, Pat Sertan, no way. Uh, Justin Simmons, no way. Damari Mathis, no way, barring some, you know, epic collapse in camp. Uh, Singleton, Jewel, no. Jewel. Maybe, 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 Jewel. Maybe, but I doubt it. I think he's going to be like this reinvigorated, super stoked guy going into a contract year. He's got Vance Joseph back. Can't stay healthy. Last year he managed it though, and look what he did. He was arguably a more impactful. We just we just got done singing the praises of Alex Singleton, but Jewel was arguably a more impactful player, even though he didn't stack as many tackles. What did what did Singleton bring to the table outside of the tackles? Not just not to minimize the impact of those tackles. I mean, you need that. But if you look at Jewel, forced fumbles, picks, multiple sacks, stacking those tackles for a loss. Singleton had a few tackles for a loss and recovered a fumble, but some of those other aspects he, he didn't really have. So I don't know. Joel stays healthy this summer though. I don't, I don't see him being in danger. Well, they used a high round pick on an inside linebacker and drew Sanders. And to me, that's always an indictment on the incumbent player. So yeah, I mean, Jewel did definitely did, did improve with uh singleton by his side, the bash bros, I think they call themselves, but yep. there is a younger, more explosive player who's much better in coverage and Sanders waiting in the wings. So Josie Jewel has to kind of keep up to his high level of play. Or else. Or else, baby. Uh, good question, though. All right, let me just take one last swing here. Let me just see if it's not something. All right, last one. Last one, and it'll be relatively short and sweet, and then we're going to dip on out. Jesse is uh, the uh, – what country is it he's from again? Nigeria. Yeah. So, Ndubuisi. We always have a hard time pronouncing this. Ndubuisi. Oh, will he make the team? Big defensive tackle. Is he making this team, Zach? Oh, man, he's – I'm rooting for him because he's so, you know, young to the game, but he has so much to learn. He's like a sponge right now. He wants to soak up every opportunity, and he's a likable player to root for, but I just don't see a path realistically to the 53. What does he do differently than Mike Purcell or even Tyler Lancaster of the DL the Broncos recently signed? Not much. He's a pure run stuffer, and they have two of those players already in place. So a practice squad, perhaps, for Ndubuisi. I don't see a 53 on his horizon, though. I don't think they – this is – and I'm with you. I'm rooting for him. I'd love to be proven wrong on this. But just knowing uh, which way the wind blows in the NFL, you know, this isn't a, hey, let's see if we can develop a guy type of league, even though that's what this program is about. This program is about offering players from uh, less uh, – privileged countries the opportunity to ply their wares in the league and catch on so the nfl is trying to incentivize teams to be a little bit more patient with some of these guys and if there's anything that gives him a little bit of, of an advantage in that sense it is that fact of the league saying come on now give our guys in this program a little bit more of a chance but i'll but i'll just put it this way as much as i'd like to see it i will be surprised if uh, he even makes it to practice squad it's a good point here by Harold, though. Ndubuisi is also 6'7", so if True. anything, put him in the middle of the defense and have him play that Shelby Harris role where he can yep. tip some passes. I'd like to see that, but I'm not holding my breath. I am rooting for him, though, and I hope he does well under Marcus Dixon and Vance Joseph. Uh, Todd, yeah, I can see this. 
PS2 having a Pro Bowl type year, absolutely, he's going to be a Pro Bowler again this year. But getting seven picks, that that might be a little tough. It's kind of hard for corners who don't get thrown at to to get that volume of uh, ball production. Champ Bailey did it though in 05, eight interceptions on the way to should have been defensive player of the year. Um, but what do you think, Zach? This is going to seem like a crazy hot take, and I wouldn't put it past PS2 to do anything. Seven picks, ten picks, whatever. He is a perennial all-pro, Pro Bowl type player. I think Damari Mathis, though, could be closer to seven picks than Patrick Sertan, if only because, like you mentioned, he's going to get tested a lot. He's the other starting cornerback opposite PS2. He's going to get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get his hands on the ball. And you know what I liked about Mathis a lot last year? The PI aside, he was sticky in coverage. He was in his man's hip pocket almost every route. I am a big fan of Damari Mathis, and I can see him getting at least a handful of picks this season. Well said. Guys, with that, we're going to leave you with a few messages before we dip on out of here. 48 minutes already, man. It just freaking flies. Thank you so much, though, everyone. Another fantastic installment of the podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on Twitter at the MHH Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer, at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some of our merch, you know where it is, what it is, but check it out if you haven't at MHHmerch.com. If you're on Facebook, which I'm sure a lot of you are, go to Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Be sure you're liking that page and following that page. If you're on IG, follow us at Mile underscore High underscore Huddle. On an Apple podcast, make sure you are leaving your football pre-safe five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single freaking month. But if anything, guys and gals, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. I love it. Keeps us guessing every single night. And guys, also, you know, one thing that could really help us this time of year those of you who, even if you watch on YouTube, but you read the articles on Facebook, or those of you who watch on Facebook and read the articles on Facebook, right now helps us a lot when you share those articles on your Facebook. So when you see an MHH post, you know, article this, that, or the other, if you share it, uh, it goes a long way right now toward helping us out in the old algorithm. So a uh, shout out to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight. Sam Bam, F.A., Troy, Gary, Michaela Israel, Mike Ronquillo, Keith, Phil, Eric Weber, Clayton. Much love and respect, you guys. Appreciate you so much. Can't wait to talk again on Thursday. Mike throwing down again. Love you, big dog. As always, thank you, Michael. Thank you, everyone. Another great show. See you all Thursday night. Have a great start to your week. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.